All right, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 3? Can you hear me okay? Okay. Ephesians chapter 3. And we've got the large print coming up here. And the message title this morning is Paul, a difference maker. Now be gentle, it's been a few years since I've done this, um, but I appreciate the opportunity. I do want to pray to this afternoon before we uh, dismiss for Greg and Penny and for their safe trip. We're glad that they had an enjoyable trip and are able to get the rest that they both need and deserve. Um, So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, it'll be a lot of scripture day. won't be a Bible drill, but uh, we will go through quite a bit of scripture. Uh, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Let me go back real quick. Well, he's talking about for this reason. He's talking about the Gentiles having now uh, the opportunity to be co-heirs with the Jewish people in salvation through Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying because of that now, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's a long passage, but what I want us to get from this is Paul, being a difference maker, had several qualities about him and his ministry 
that allowed him to make an incredible difference through the power of Christ in the church. The first thing is he recognized who owned his life. Now, we've been studying this over the last few weeks in 1 Corinthians. Um, You know, Paul doesn't talk a lot about rights. The only passage that I can recall is in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9 where Paul says, uh, well, let me turn there and I'll share with you. Paul says, basically, although the rights I have as a fellow human, as a believer, as a leader in the church, I give up all that. Because that's not what's important to me. What's important to me is that I'm able to be whatever I need to be at whatever moment I need to be it for those who I'm with. So he says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, he says, Though I am free, I belong to nobody. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become a Jew. To win the Jews... To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I'm myself, I'm not under the law. So that I might win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those who are weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. You know, we live in in such a a time where rights, freedom to do what I want, when I want, be, act however I want, believe what I want, is so prevalent in our society. Paul says... Although that stuff is permissible, not all things are beneficial. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. So Paul recognized who owned his life. He says that he's a prisoner. Literally, the word means to be bonded to, to be bound to, to be a bond servant to Christ. Now, we all know there are a lot of things in this world that can bind us. And hold us captive. Could be our careers. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's social media. There are a lot of distractions in our world today. And you know, that's one of the things that really concerns me with our youth. There's so many things that are grabbing for our youth grabbing for their attention, to keep them distracted. And I think that we have a tendency to fall into the same patterns. I know that I do. I struggle with that. I find myself months, you know, months in, months out, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, ad nauseum, and forget that my life, is more tied to Jesus than it is to this world. And I find then that my faith gets dry and my walk gets stale, not because God left, but because I turn my attention away and move into another direction. So this passage reminds me 
as I look at Paul's life, he recognized who owned his life. Even though he knew that he had certain rights, he didn't exercise those. He gave up whatever he needed to at whatever moment to serve those who were around him. He says in 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth in chapter 6, we've read this the past couple of weeks, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. You know, Bob Dylan has a song out uh, way back, you're going to serve somebody. Now, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And Paul was very grateful that he was in a position to be bound to Christ. To him, it was a privilege. He calls it later on a gift. It's a gift to Paul to be enslaved to Christ. He never got over that. He recognized who owned his life. And he never got over his salvation experience. Now, now if you're familiar with Acts chapter 9, uh, you will remember that Paul had a pretty significant uh, salvation experience. You remember, Paul was out persecuting those who were following Christ, those who belonged to the way. And uh, so I'll read a little bit of this. Meanwhile, Saul, which was his name before his conversion, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And this is Acts chapter 9. Literally, literally, hatred was his very breath. So if you've ever thought, well, I'm too far gone for Christ's mercy, grace, salvation, and love, you're not this far gone. He was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who would belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now, he, he, he's blinded. He goes uh, into the city and God calls a man named Ananias. And if you remember the story, Ananias goes to Paul. Ananias didn't want to go to Paul because Ananias had remembered all the things that Paul was doing against the church, persecuting the church, persecuting believers. Ananias was afraid to go. Interestingly, in this passage, there's more, more devoted in this, in this chapter to getting Ananias to Paul than there was in getting Paul to Christ. <clears throat> Ananias didn't want to go, but he went. And Paul then gained his sight, became who we know now as Paul. And uh, he had a pretty significant conversion experience, wouldn't you say? And I'll say mine wasn't quite as significant, but I remember mine. And I think that's what's important is Paul never got over his salvation experience. Even though mine might not have been as dramatic as his, yours may have not have been as dramatic as his. Please, please never get over the fact that you're a sinner saved by grace through faith 
not of your own works. You know, I can remember back, it was about the fall of 1990 when I was 25 and I was the production manager at a can manufacturer in Mansfield. And I met a girl. Every good story starts with, there was a girl, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so she was at church all the time. Now, I didn't grow up in church. Went to Presbyterian Church for a little bit. They had good donuts. Went to, uh, went to the Baptist Church for a little bit and then Church of Christ. Really, it was whichever bus came by my house. That's, what I, that's the church that I belonged to at the time until I got kicked off that bus and had to wait for another bus to come. <laughs> but, you know, in order to spend any time with her, I was at church because that's where she was. And uh, so, I, you know, I tried to fit in. Uh, I was definitely a square peg in a round hole. Uh, I can remember uh, the potlucks, and uh, it was like free lubies. I mean, that made me want to go to church right there. But uh, it was funny. We had a guy named Les Roberts who came. He was part of the Tarrant Baptist Association, I think. And he came to help us learn to share our faith. And so which was really ironic because I really didn't have that. And so from Monday through Friday, I was learning how to share a faith I really didn't have. And I got pretty good at it. I was learning the Roman road, and, and uh, I was going door to door sharing the Lord with people. And by about Friday evening, I realized, man, I've never done that. I mean, I... I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. And I got pretty good at sinning. I was comfortable with it. And I realized, man, I needed a Savior. I couldn't save myself. And that God sent His Son Jesus to die for my sin. And I wasn't asking for that, and I wasn't looking for that. And he came and he found me in a really unique way. <laughs> and so that Friday night, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I tell you, my life has never been the same. Now, are there times that I forget about that and walk away, and follow the things of the world? And of course, that Paul never got over his salvation experience. Please don't get over yours. If you've never had one, if you've never come to a place where you've recognized sinner, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but are justified, justified freely by his grace without making that decision. And if you have, and it was a long, long time ago, ask the Lord to remind you of the grace and mercy that he's given you freely. So Paul recognized who owned his life. He never got over his salvation experience. And he recognized his servanthood. In verses 7 and 8, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You know, I find, it, I, I find it ironic that Paul was a Jew of Jews. 
He studied under Gamaliel. He studied under one of the most prominent Jewish leaders of all time. He even says he was a Jew of Jews. He could answer any question, probably. And yet, when God called him to ministry, he called him to the Gentiles. I just find that ironic, you know, that if it were me, I think I would have said, but God, this is where I'm gift. This is where I've got, this is my education. This is my experience. This is where I should be. Not over here. God, did you forget all my training, all my knowledge? And I just think that's, God has a great sense of humor, doesn't he? And, you know, Paul recognized that regardless of his experience, regardless of his training, where he came from, he was a servant, first and foremost. His job was simply to put people first. And that's hard, isn't it? Somebody said one time, a ministry would be easy if it weren't for people. Isn't that true? Because it's messy, isn't it? It's messy and it's hard, it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable. I can remember way back, after, after I had accepted the Lord, I, I, was a, I was a member of First Baptist Euless, and we were, we were doing apartment ministry uh, through uh, Mission Mid-Cities, which was kind of following what Tilly Bergen did in Arlington. And, and so we would go to door. I actually was uh, leading a little church in this apartment complex, Concord House Apartments in, in Euless, right off of 183. And we would go to Sunday school at, uh, at First Euless, and then after Sunday school, we would go across the freeway to Concord House and uh, would do church there. And we had little kids come. The parents still sleep. Little kids come in their feet in pajamas and come to church in the mornings. And uh, I can just remember the incredible things that God did through that little church in the apartment complex. That wasn't, it wasn't traditional by any sense. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't follow any any church growth model. We just tried to love on people, and God did some really amazing things. We baptized. We wore out a horse trough baptizing people there in the apartments. And I think you know, it was just about people's heart. It was hard. It was dirty ministry. It was. It was. It was very time consuming. And it was really easy to lose focus of what we were trying to do. It was very easy to look beyond that and say, I want to pastor a real church. I want to be in a, in, a, in a big church. And I had to fight that, that what God was doing. I, I look back and I, I think I saw God moving more in that little apartment church where we didn't follow him than I did in any other ministry that I've ever done. And, uh, and it's humbling. And I can remember when I had first, I had first asked the Lord uh, into my heart and to save me. And uh, I, knew, I knew pretty quickly that God had something for me. I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know how to know. And I think that's common. And so I had some very good advice from a friend who said, just pray and do. Just pray and do. And, and do stuff. Just do ministry. Love people. 
So I started working in a nursing home, doing Sunday and Wednesday services at the nursing home. The most uncomfortable thing I think I'd ever done. Um, because I didn't grow up with older folks. I wasn't familiar with older folks. And it was a very uncomfortable thing. But as I grew through that, I saw the Lord working in my life and doing things and serving and how through the whole process and brought me through other doors and simply by just praying and doing. Now, I know, we, I know there are times we, we feel like we do too much. There's a little saying that says, uh, Mary had a little lamb, but he joined a Southern Baptist church and died for sleep. So I know, I know we can get too busy sometimes, are the most important. But uh, Paul had his perspective. Paul had the right perspective. He put people first. So he recognized his servanthood and his concern for others. You know, Paul was in prison, when he, in a Roman prison when he wrote this. And yet, in this one chapter alone, the words you and your are mentioned 12 times. Paul understood that what he was going through was all about others. He says, verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So he recognized his servanthood. And lastly, he had a burden for God's kingdom. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family on earth derives its name. I pray that riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul's number one priority and focus was to love people, serve Pete's kingdom. He recognized who owned his life over his salvation experience. He recognized his servanthood, called it a gift of God, and he had a burden for God's kingdom. Where are you? Where are you in this? Do you recognize that you were bought with a price? You know, when Christ died, mark where it is finished. You know, and I'm sure you've heard this in the Greek, the word tetelestis uh, literally means it's paid in full. It's a banking term. Jesus paid it all. You were paid in full. Your sins, my sins. He never got over his salvation experience. Please look back. Ask God to remind you of what he's done in your life. Restore that joy of your salvation. It's so easy to get caught up in the world. 
Have him remind you of where he brought you from. Recognize your servanthood. Remember, we're going to serve somebody. It might be ourselves. It might be a career. It might be an addiction. Whatever it might be for you, please ask the Lord to soften your heart if need be to bring you back to him. And he had a burden for God's kingdom. You know, when, you, when it's all said and done, when, when the last breath is taken, and all the things we've said and all the things we've done are all piled up there before us, how much of that's going to matter for eternity? And you know, it's so cool that God has brought us to ministry with Him. He is inviting you. He's inviting us to partner with Him to use His power to change people's lives for eternity. What a privilege. Let that sink in this week. It's a huge responsibility. But it's something that brings amazing joy to know that you have an opportunity to help change somebody's eternity. So Paul was a difference maker. And so I would just ask this week that you would ask God to show you where you might be in this. And just ask if he would soften your heart, change your mind, put you in a place where you remember the grace and mercy that he's given. And take a fresh step. I just, you know, one of the things I love about teaching is every year you can start over. You know, with Christ every day, his mercies are new every day. You can start over. Make this be the day. Let this be the day. Will you pray with me? Father, I just want to bring us all before you with our hearts open. That you would speak to us, that you would remind us of who you are and what you've done and what you want to do in our lives and the lives of our church. And I pray, Father, that you would find us faithful and that you would allow us to see your hand at work in our lives. And through it all, that you would be glorified and honored. And I ask, Lord, that for each of us, whatever it is that you have placed on our hearts, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen.